When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on in Boulder, Colorado right now? Because we had a mass exodus through the portal. A lot of guys that I believe were told they no longer have a spot. Some guys that I believe left on their own accord. We're going to talk about that one. Got a lot of feelings about, a lot of feelings, a lot, a lot of observations around what Coach Prime is doing right now through the portal. You're going to want to make sure you stick around for that one. Welcome into the Hard Count, the people's college football show for every single thing that you know and love about this beautiful game. We talk about it here every single day. We have a lot to jump into. As I already said, going to unpack the mass exodus going on right now at Colorado. But the transfer portal is around in the corner. Eye in the finish line coming down the home stretch. We have a lot of big time names that have already found a home. A lot of other big time names that are on official visits this coming weekend. We're going to talk about who's still available and who's found a home. There's a lot of freshmen that decided, you know what? Forget about prom. I don't want to do all that. I've, I've already done that my junior year. I've already done the boutonniere. I've done the, the dance, all that. I want to go play spring football. And there was a lot of freshmen that flashed in a big way. They already balled out in their spring game. You're going to know about them when they come to the fall. But we're going to talk about some of the freshmen that flashed this past spring also want to talk about the Alabama quarterback battle. Because if you watched Alabama's spring game, you probably saw what they did and you said, uh, a little bit underwhelming. Good, not great. Well, I think there's more to that than what meets the eye. Also, it's spring ball. It's a spring game. So there's always going to be more in the fall than what meets the eye in the spring. But I want to talk about the state of that Alabama quarterback battle right now. I actually have a feel as well as to who I believe is leading that quarterback battle right now. But again, it's April a lot's going to happen. A lot still can happen, but we can't waste too much more time getting into this thing. Again, glad to have you here along with us. Shout out to everybody on the podcast. At the end of this operation, you know how we do it right now. We want to hear from y'all. So jump in the live chat. Nick Brake, keeper of the queue, fielding your questions. Going to answer those at the end of the show. All right, let's get right into it. The transfer portal continues to roll. Now, this time next week, the transfer portal will be closed. What does that mean? It means you can no longer enter your name into the portal to go somewhere else. So when it closes, hey, it's closed. Now, that does not mean you have to commit by next week. It just means if you're going to go somewhere, you got to let everybody know beforehand. So April 30th is the last day to get that done. But a couple of names that have already found a home, a couple of names that are close to finding a home, I should say, one name that has definitely found a home, the number one defensive lineman available in the transfer portal, Bear Alexander. Made headlines when he jumped in the portal or intended to jump in the portal on the day of Georgia's spring game, G-Day. And then what felt like, a few moments later, there was a lot of buzz around USC's the school to beat. USC's leader in the clubhouse takes an official visit to USC. Sunday, he ends up committing to the Trojans. And th the impact of this is enormous for USC. The obvious piece of this, and we talked about it on a previous video on this channel, it's an area of need for the Trojans. 
You and I both know this. The defense has got some ground to make up to ultimately get this team to where they want to go. And it all starts in the trenches, the line of scrimmage. That is what wins you game in the college football. And so for Bear Alexander to now join the Trojans, you start looking at the way this defensive line is shaping up, and you're like, okay, you got a presence in the middle, a top 50 recruit in the middle. You have one of the number one players, or the number one player, according to the entire industry, Corey Foreman, on the edge in 2021, from the 2021 cycle, I should say. Uh, Anthony Lucas, four-star guy on the defensive line as well. So you start to add the pieces together. You say, okay, Bear Alexander in the middle of that mix? The Trojans are putting together a pretty nice defensive front. So big-time get for USC. Bear Alexander is going to wreck shop in the Pac-12. Okay, a guy who played as a freshman for Georgia, saw a lot of action, had two sacks on the season, had a sack in the national title game. I said this before already. You don't play for Georgia as a freshman if you can't ball. So expect him to do more of the same at USC. Now, speaking of the Trojans, they're going to have another big-time official visitor this coming weekend. The number one available offensive lineman or interior offensive lineman, I should say, Emmanuel Pregnum. Going to take a visit to USC. This would be an enormous addition for USC. Now, if you remember correctly, Ethan White was going to go to USC, the offensive guard from Florida who was second-team All-SEC uh, all a season ago. Due to some medical issues, doesn't look like he's going to be able to continue his career. Now, Emmanuel Pregnon, one thing that people love about him is he has a lot more eligibility left. I believe he has two to three years left of eligibility. So you don't just get Emmanuel Pregnon to be like a one-year solution and be a, a placeholder for whoever you get on the recruiting trail. Like Emmanuel Pregnon, you're going to be able to have for multiple years, continue to develop him, and also he's coming to you being able to play right away. Already has in-game experience at Wyoming. He's a guy that a lot of people want on their team. But as USC transitions to the Big Ten, to have a guy like Emmanuel Pregnant holding it down on the interior, that would be a big-time get for USC. So you're starting to add the pieces together here. USC is going to have Barrel Alexander on the defensive side. If they could land Emmanuel Pregnant on the offensive side, it's a line of scrimmage game, especially in the Big Ten. That would be a very big deal for USC as they make that transition. Make sure you're subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, at Judy Pacquel. We appreciate you for doing that. Now, here's one of the big-time playmakers that's currently in the portal, and that's wide receiver Jordan Hudson from TCU. Played as a freshman at TCU. Everybody expected him to be a starter this coming season. Former five-star player from the 2022 cycle. His comp for us at On3, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Okay, so the dude can play some ball now. Now, the leader in the clubhouse was perceived to be SMU. But the Auburn Tigers and Hugh Freeze got him coming on a visit this upcoming weekend. I'll just say this about Jordan Hudson. If Auburn does land him, I think you have a very serious conversation for him being day one, your best wide receiver in that room. Okay, and that's saying something. As they're trying to flip the roster and get the talent level to where it needs to be to compete in the SEC because of what Brian Harson didn't do on the recruiting trail or wasn't able to do on the recruiting trail, like Jordan Hudson would be an enormous get for that offense. And also think about the kind of style that Hugh Freeze wants to play offensively. Up-tempo. We're going to throw the ball around. We're going to spread you out. Jordan Hudson would fit really well into that scheme. I mean, fluid route runner, great release package off the line. He's obviously a, a five-star caliber kid. I don't think it's a stretch to say he would make a big impact in that receiver room at Auburn. Now, Xavier Henderson is a four-star guy who was previously at Florida, jumped in the portal, and he would be 
someone that I think the Miami Hurricanes would be very excited to get. He's six foot four, 195 pounds. The reason why I bring Miami up is because he's from Miami. And remember, the Hurricanes now and their new offense under Shannon Dawson, it's going to be a little bit more Air Raid-esque in terms of their passing concepts. Not going to be an Air Raid offense, but they're going to definitely make a push to stretch the ball downfield with Xavier, Henderson, or Xavier Henderson's mix of size and speed. He would be a great addition to that group. Okay, so they're excited about what he could bring to the table. Keep an eye on Xavier Henderson and keep an eye on the Hurricanes in this one. It's still very, very early. I just got a feeling. The puzzle pieces are kind of lining up very nicely. Tyler Van Dyke needs an alpha wide receiver to throw to. Could be Xavier Henderson. Now, from one wide receiver to another, Montana Lamonius Craig from Colorado. We're going to talk about Colorado here in just a second. But the reason why this is kind of a fascinating individual to look at in the portal, I mean, he just balled out in Colorado spring game on national television, on ESPN with Chris Fowler and RG3. Like, he in a very big way made a statement that he was going to be a player for Colorado this coming season. Now, this is one of the players that I personally do not believe was cut from the team. We'll talk about that in a second. But, yeah, 168 yards, two touchdowns, already landed offers from places like Purdue, like Arkansas, Mississippi State, Auburn. So everybody is seeing the same thing that you and I saw with our own eyeballs on the television screen, which was Montana Lamonius Craig going berserk. He's going to land on his feet somewhere. Somebody is going to utilize his services. And it could be an SEC school. Six foot two, 185 pounds, contributed for Colorado last year. One of the few bright spots, if you can say that, for the Buffs last year. Keep an eye on where he lands. He's going to be a player for somebody. Now, Brendan Thompson, this broke, I believe, last night. Speedster, four star kid, has three years left of eligibility, five foot 10, 168 pounds. But he, I mean, out of high school, he was top 20 in the country in the 100 and 200 meters. Translation, my dude is very, very fast. He's going to be a vertical threat for Oklahoma. Again, transferring from Texas to Oklahoma. And when you look at this, it's hard to, it's hard to really blame Brennan Thompson, right? Because you look at that receiver room at Texas and just all the weapons they have. A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Jontae Cook now probably going to factor in. Isaiah Naor probably going to be a guy. Jordan Whittington, like you go down the list here, there's only so much football to go around. And Brendan Thompson, I think, is a little bit further down that list. Oklahoma, wide open offense under Jeff Levy. They're looking for a wide receiver to step up. They got some guys that are excited about. But quite frankly, there's still a lot of football for receivers to make a case to get. And I think Brendan Thompson is going to fit very, very nicely there. Or at least have a chance to make a case for himself to get some very real PT. Now, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention while this is a business decision for Brendan Thompson, like I believe this was best for his career, best for his lifestyle, whatever you want to say, good move for him to transfer. When it comes to October 7th for the Red River rivalry, like it's going to be personal. I'm very excited to see what Brendan Thompson does and excited to see if he does end up getting some PT because that'd be a lot of fun to watch him line it up against his former teammates and uh, potentially make some plays. So the transfer portal, again, it's coming to a close here. If you want to throw your name in, better do it soon because as of April 30th, this thing will be coming to a close. You can commit after that. want to make that very clear. You can commit after you throw the name in the portal, but we're on the home stretch of the transfer portal. And this time next week, we'll be talking about 
exactly who has officially put their name in there. Shout out to everybody watching live, man. We appreciate y'all. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button for us. We talk ball here every single day, so make sure you're subscribed as well. But whenever you hit the thumbs up button, it just helps us do more of what you want to see, and it gives us good data. So thank you for that. Now, a lot of y'all, I would imagine, are tuned in because you want to know, man, what in the world is going on at Colorado? And we're going to talk about that right now. Now, here's the deal. 18 players, as of yesterday, hit the portal. And I think there's a couple of layers to this. 63 of the 83 scholarship guys you had from 2022 are no longer on this roster. Translation, this entire team has been flipped. Like originally I thought maybe Deion Sanders was going to come in and reduce some things in the house. Like maybe they get new floors, maybe they get new furniture, maybe they redo the kitchen. No, Deion Sanders just took a wrecking ball to the entire operation and said, 1-11, and 11, that ain't my house. Rebuild this thing. So here's my guess on what's happening right now at Colorado. Again, this, this is purely a guess, but from the outside looking in, I believe everybody involved here is making a business decision. If you're Deion Sanders, I think he is making a decision that's best for his football team and saying we were 1-11 last year. The personnel that made that happen last year is, quite frankly, not good enough for my standards, for our standards here, for what we want to get done. So I believe a lot of these guys, not all, I believe a lot of these guys are being told they no longer have a spot at Colorado. To put it bluntly, I believe a lot of these guys are being cut. Okay? Now, again, it's, it's hard to blame Deion Sanders. When you're a CEO of a company and you take it over and the company has been failing for some time, what do you do? You make personnel changes. It's just business. I'm sure it's nothing personal. But we have to get better as a company. We have to start making a profit. And to do that, I have to bring in different people to do a better job. It's just a business decision here for Coach Prime. Now, for the other side of things, again, I don't believe that all of these guys are cut. I don't believe all of them. Like Again, Montana Lamonius Craig, I believe he is making a business decision to leave. And to be honest here, more power to him. More power to him. He clearly can play ball. He's already got people lining up outside of his door. Auburn, Mississippi State, BYU. Like, you go down the list here, he's racking up the offers. It's not a matter of ability for Montana Lamonius Craig. That's what the portal is for. If you think you have a chance to be in a better situation, to better yourself academically and athletically, that's why the portal exists. Good for him. And Coach Prime even quote tweeted his tweet when he was going to leave. Montana, Montana Lamonius Craig, that is. And just essentially gave him a vote of confidence and signed off on him as a football player and as a person. Great. More power to you. Now, going back to Coach Prime, 18 players hitting the portal. Let's say he cut 15 of those guys, because I do think it was the majority. Let's say he cut 15 of those guys. More power to him. But my question becomes, well, who are you going after? Because anytime I make a mass firing within my company, what does that mean? It means I have a lot of other positions that now need to be replaced. I need to make a mass hiring. And so my question is, are we really able to upgrade to the degree that we think we're going to be able to? Because if you watched our last segment on this live show, you understand. Listen, the portal's coming to a close. The names that are in there, pretty soon, those are just going to be the, the names you have to draw from. Like when the portal closes up shop, we're not going to just get exponentially better. 
you have to pick from who you have to pick from. And the feeling right now is the guys that are in the portal are good and the value is skyrocketing because of the scarcity that's existing right now within the portal. But it's not necessarily like, hey, there is players all over here. Take your pick. Enough to go around for everyone. 18 players you are, you are trying to replace, from my estimation. Is there really an upgrade at 18 different spots there? I don't know. Someone else I talked to in the personnel world told me, Credit to Dion, kind of the same thing we were saying here. Credit to Dion for wanting to flip the roster and, and saying, I, I need to make some changes. But the concern here is you're becoming a little bit thin at two position groups you don't really want to be thin at. I'll tell you which one those are. Make sure you're subscribed to this on three YouTube channel. We appreciate y'all follow that, uh, for that. Make sure you're following me on Instagram. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at JD Pakel. Thank you so much for that. Now, like I was saying, the two positions they're, they're thin at right now are in the secondary, on the defensive line. You don't want to be thin in the trenches. You don't want to be thin in that position group on the back end that has to defend the playmakers because what do we have in the Pac-12 conference? A lot of teams that can throw the rock around. I mean, I know USC and UCLA, they're leaving for the, the Big Ten here pretty soon, but you got to play Caleb Williams at some point in time. I mean... You, you look at you look at Oregon, you look at Washington. Like they're, they're schools that just straight up throw the rock. You're going to have to be able to defend that. All right? Now, what I would say, though, for Coach Prime, while this is not ideal, I have to at least respect the fact that he's doing it his way. Like, Deion Sanders is making no apologies for being Deion Sanders. And to some degree... You have to, I mean, not to some degree, I think you just have to respect that period. Because the beautiful thing about this is, and I was texting somebody earlier, Deion Sanders will never, ever have to wonder, man, what if I had done it my way? What if I hadn't worried so much about the external noise and just, just straight up stuck to my own plan? Like, he won't ever have to wonder about that. And I think that's phenomenal for Coach Prime. I think that's phenomenal for us at the college football public. Matt Rule, on a previous podcast talking about his NFL career, was saying, you know, I wish I had kind of taken a bigger swing when I was in Carolina. I wish we had made a bigger trade. I wish we had done this and that. And I think the NFL is different than the college game, so I don't want to liken Matt Rule to Deion Sanders in their situations. But the sentiment is the same. Coach Prime is saying, listen, I'm not waiting for us to eventually get it right. I'm acting right now. I'm making changes right now to get the people into this operation, into this organization, to do what we want to do. So credit Coach Prime for that. And the last thing I would say is we can no longer judge Colorado by last year. Everyone's going to throw out, well, they were 1-11, and what he's taken over is so difficult, and how's he going to get them to win? Like, that's all still true. Colorado was 1-11, but 76% of the roster that he's going to take the field with week one will be brand spanking new. We can't judge Colorado by last year anymore because last year's Colorado is no longer in Boulder for the most part. Like, it is a totally new organization. So Coach Prime is going to do things his way, respect the heck out of him for it, and I think that's what you're seeing right now with this mass exodus with the portal. Not all these guys, but a lot of these guys, I think we're told, hey, you no longer have a spot here. We're doing things differently. It's unfortunate, but I do believe at the end of the day, it is just business, and Colorado and Coach Prime are going to do things the way that they see fit. More power to them. And that is going to be a case study 
going forward on how to flip a program if it works. Like if that works and he takes Colorado from 1-11 to winning a bowl game or at least making a bowl game, like the blueprint that has been laid out now for athletic directors when hiring new coaches completely shifts. We saw, we saw a version of that at USC, but if Colorado does it, Boulder, Colorado, not Los Angeles, California, if they do it in Boulder, Colorado, that's going to be the, the torch, the torch for what modern college football is going forward. Hey, man, shout out real quick to everybody on the podcast. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. You go ahead and type in the hard count with J.D. Bacall and you find us right there. A lot of y'all, I mean, all of y'all actually are listening to this after the fact that we went live. Babysitting, filling out expense reports, whatever you're doing right now, we appreciate you making part of it. So thank you for that. Now, spring football for most people, for most operate, for more, most organizations has closed up shop, had their spring game. It was a good time. And what I always love watching for spring football is the new faces, the transfers. Yes. But how about the, the mid year enrollees? How about the kids that are around 18 years old, 19 years old and say, you know what? Prom is cool. I'm, I'm all about prom, but I'd much rather go practice with my college team. I'd much rather go move away from home, put myself in a dorm room or an apartment or whatever, and go grind it out for 15 practices. Credit to those guys. I'm going to talk about some of those guys that I believe turned heads during the spring football season. Let's start over there in South Bend, Indiana. Jaden Greathouse says, I love Austin, Texas. Played at a really high level in high school, the four-star wide receiver. But I want to go catch passes from Sam Hartman for my spring. And he went out and had himself a spring game. I mean, 11 catches, 118 yards, 6'2", 215 pounds. Physically looks really ready to play right away in the spring game. Resume, I think, reflects that. But if Notre Dame can have a guy like Jaden Greathouse, an alpha dog wide receiver, separate themselves from the pack, Notre Dame's going to be a problem because they got the quarterback. They've got the, the edge from a physicality standpoint on defense. I believe they're going to have the pass rusher in Jordan Botello. Make sure you jot that name down so you don't forget it because I think he's going to be a baller when it comes time for the fall. If Jaden Greathouse can be that wide receiver for him, and I don't know where he fits in the depth chart, I was just encouraged to see a wide receiver separate a little bit a young wide receiver nonetheless, because they're going to have a guy that can throw the rock around. They're going to have some running backs that can tote the rock for them. If they can separate on the vertical pass game, they're going to be a problem. But Jaden Greathouse says, no thanks to prom. I'm going to go catch passes in the spring football game. Caught 11 of them, like I said, for 118 yards. Going to be a dude in South Bend. Very, very impressed with him. He was a freshman that absolutely thrashed, or absolutely flashed this past spring another flat uh, man we, we have so much alliteration here it's tough to keep track we have another freshman that balled out how's that cam selden from tennessee he is listed as a running back but when you watch what he did in the spring football game swiss army knife and just overall in life how do you create value for yourself you do a lot of things well and cam selden i promise you when they're game planning this coming year in the fall that's going to be the conversation they have around his skill set. Like, it's going to be very hard to keep Cam Selden off the field because if you need somebody to play in the slot in a certain personnel, hey, Coach, Cam can do that. Hey, we need a, a running back to be able to work the inside zone or get out on the edge for us that has good speed. Coach, Cam can do that. There's going to be a lot of, hey, Coach, what about Cam? 
hey coach, should we put Cam in this set? Like he does so many things well, it's going to be virtually impossible to keep him off the field as a freshman. He flashed during the spring game, was really impressed with him. I thought he ran the ball well through the through the tackles, but he also did a lot in the screen game in the slot on the edge. So Cam Selden is a running back on the roster, but he's a guy that's going to contribute in a lot of ways for Tennessee this coming season. Really quickly, if you're tuned in, make sure you subscribe because we talk college football here every single day on this wonderful platform that is the On3 YouTube channel. Make sure you follow me on Twitter as well as on Instagram at JDPakel. Now, let's go down to Tuscaloosa and talk about a Bama bundle. A couple of freshmen that just crushed it during the spring football season and in the spring game, and that's running back Justice Haynes and safety Caleb Downs. Let's start with Caleb Downs. Ability-wise, other people have echoed this sentiment. He might be the best football player on Alabama's roster. Now, I did not say he's going to win the Heisman Trophy as a freshman and he's going to lead Alabama back to a national title. From a football player perspective, instincts, physical makeup, savviness, ball skills, like he might be the best pound-for-pound football player as a freshman on Alabama's roster. And if you dispute that claim, that's fine, but I don't think you're going to come back with somebody that you can just definitively say is better than Caleb Downs. Nick Saban holds him in extremely high regard. We saw him make multiple plays during the spring football game, had a nice interception to end the half. I'm very excited about what he brings to the table. Him and Justice Haynes do not look like freshmen at all. Justice Haynes, another guy that we got to talk about, like I was saying a second ago, he's a running back for the Tide. He will be a part of what Alabama does offensively. To take that a step further, I believe he's going to have a role in establishing the identity of Alabama's offense. Because we'll talk about it here in just a minute when we get to talking about what the, the physical approach will be for Alabama on that side of the ball. But let's be real. They're going to try and run the football. Like Jason McClellan will be a part of that. I believe Justice Haynes will be a part of that. They're going to try to get back to old Bama. And you and I both know this. You don't get to play old school Bama football if you don't have dudes that can tote the rock for you. Justice Haynes had three touchdowns in the spring football game, had two rushing, one receiving. Versatile guy, hitting the ground running. Another guy that Nick Saban is extremely excited about when it comes to the 2023 season. So both Caleb Downs and Justice Haynes, I wholeheartedly believe, will be a factor for you when it comes to the, the, the fall. I mean, they played well in the spring game. They'll be guys that contribute for you in the fall. I would not be surprised in the slightest if we see Caleb Downs starting. Would not be surprised in the slightest if we see Justice Haynes, at the very least, sharing carries early on in the year. Now, let's talk about another running back here. Dylan Edwards. Small in stature, right around five foot eight. Kind of reminds you of, of a Deuce Vaughn or, or Darren Sproles just because those are the shorter running backs that always get talked about and grouped together. Dylan Edwards from Colorado, the running back. I thought he won, played really well in the spring game, hit the hole extremely hard, no pitter-pattering of his feet, no trying to get to the outside. Like, he read the, the blocks well. And he's just real deal fast. Like, a lot of guys say they're, they're a 4-4 laser, they're 4-whatever laser, like... All of that talk for Dylan Edwards can be backed up if you were if he were the guy to talk about his own speed. I mean, he ran probably it's estimated a sub four four when we got to see him this past summer. That's Charles Power, director of scouting and ranks for on three, reporting on that. And the, the way that I look at this, Dylan Edwards, one, he's gonna play this year at Colorado. Okay, to be hundred percent honest with you, to be very, very clear, he's gonna play this year. And 
speed is just, it's kind of like butter, right? Like when you're making a recipe and you're cooking something, you can always use more butter. There's never going to be a point where you say, oh, I mean, maybe that's too much. Maybe don't add that to the recipe. It doesn't really taste very good. We don't want to overdo it on the butter. Same thing with Dylan Edwards and his speed. Yeah, I don't know if we want that sub 4-4 guy out there playing running back for us. Yeah, I don't know if he can help us. You always want more speed on the field. Even if Colorado weren't in the position they were in, Dylan Edwards, I believe, would be playing. It's worth noting as well, Dylan Edwards was at one point in time committed to Notre Dame. So it wasn't like Colorado was the only school after his services. He's going to be a baller for him this coming season. I guarantee that. Now, two more freshmen I want to talk about. We did the Bama bundle. Let's go to the Oklahoma Sooner, two freshmen that I want to talk about. And it's safety Peyton Bowen and quarterback Jackson Arnold. Now, Jackson Arnold, we could talk about him in a different light if he's able to complete that final pass of the spring football game. And maybe it doesn't change the entire conversation around him. But he had a two-point conversion that he's rolling out to the right, finds his receiver in the back of the end zone, Ball just goes through his receiver's hands. Great throw, but it could have been what we would have headlined as the game winner for Oklahoma during that spring football game. Of course, they're playing against each other. But the, the reality is both these guys looked the part. Okay, Jackson Arnold, was he clearly, you know, who Oklahoma should now have as a starting quarterback and we got a quarterback controversy on our hands? No, but he flashed multiple times during the spring game as we told you he would. I believe it was like his second play of the game. Heck, might have been his first play of the game. A little zone read action, tucks it down, goes 50 yards. Now, now the ref called him down, but a lot of people that saw him tuck it and run were like, okay, dude can move now. He's, he is a dual threat in every sense of the world. There, there, there's no sneaky athletic with Jackson Arnold. There's just athletic. Okay, and then also threw a frozen rope a little bit later in the game to Gavin Freeman. Dime dropper. Okay, so Jackson Arnold is absolutely the future at Oklahoma. There's some people that think he could challenge Dylan Gabriel for that QB1 spot. I'm not one of them, but I'm just telling you, Jackson Arnold, not a bad backup at all as a true freshman and is absolutely going to be the right guy to lead them into the SEC. Now, safety Peyton Bowen, he did get beat one time on that touchdown pass that Jackson Arnold actually threw to, to, to Gavin Freeman, but Peyton Bowen is special, man. Like, to, to play the position of safety as a freshman in Brent Venable's defense and to play it as well as he has so far this spring and the, to hear the kind of commentary the coaching staff has had about him this past spring, he's going to be a dude, I believe, this year for Oklahoma. Now, does he start game one? We'll see. But similar to what I was saying about Cam Seldon, he just does too many things well for you to keep him off the field. He had a nice interception in the spring football game. Could also help you in the return game. Charles Power, director of scouting and rankings, talked about him as one of the best returners in the country in any class. Like he, He's going to be a dude for you in Norman this coming season. That's a, that's, a, that's a defense now that is in a little bit of a transitional period, trying to get back to the Brent Venable standard of playing defense there. Peyton Bowen, I believe, will be a part of that effort. And what he did this past spring, I think, exemplifies that wholeheartedly so keep an eye on these guys again Jaden Greyhouse balling in South Bend Cam Selden at Tennessee Swiss Army Knife just line him up somewhere on the field he'll help you Caleb Downs and Justice Haynes going to be a part of getting Bama back to where Bama expects to be two freshmen that quite frankly just don't look like freshmen when you watch them ball Dylan Edwards you just want speed on the field right 
can never have too much speed on the field. Dylan Edwards going to play as a freshman, I believe, for Colorado. And Peyton Bowen, a lot of plays as well as Jackson Arnold. Both did their thing during Oklahoma's spring game. And y'all, making this list too, there were some guys that we could have talked about from other schools. Like we, we might have to do a couple segments of that. I mean, Carnell Tate from Ohio State, Damon Wilson and, and, and Lawson Lucky from Georgia. Like there's a lot of guys still that I think we, we need to talk about. So who knows? Maybe that's just part one of freshmen that flashed in the spring. Shout out everybody watching right now. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button for us really quick. Helps us a lot. Cost you nothing. We're not going to spam you. Also, make sure you subscribe to the on YouTube channel. Same deal. Just helps us do more of what you want to see. Make sure you're locked in. It helps us have a good feel for the kind of content you want. All right, so thank you for that in advance. All right, what do you say we talk a little bit about the uh, old Alabama quarterback battle, huh? Because we got to see him during the A-Day. We saw Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. Dylan Lonergan, I thought, played pretty well. Eli Holstein played pretty well. Those two freshmen, I think, are going to take a back seat to this battle right now. And Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, I think, without question, are the two guys you talk about when it comes to who could be the starter for Alabama when it comes to game one. So to preface this whole conversation, for Alabama fans, got good news and got bad news. Now, just me being who I am, I prefer to have the bad news first so I can be excited about the good news and have a better feeling about myself getting the good news second. So we'll start with the bad news. The bad news is obvious, and that's Bryce Young has gone to the NFL. Okay, so that, that was the bad news, and bad news that you already knew about. The good news is you're not going to be playing a style of offense where your quarterback needs to be Superman, and that wasn't the case last year. Bryce Young was like the eraser for the mistakes on the offense a season ago. Miss a block, all good. Bryce can get the ball out of his hands quick. Hey, we got a free runner. No worries, Bryce is agile. He's athletic. He can make a miss and still make the play. That's not going to be the same kind of setup that Alabama tries to play this coming season. A lot of last year, they just put the ball in Bryce's hands and said, Bryce, go be special. And I'm oversimplifying this, obviously, but that was the way it felt when you watched Alabama a season ago. Now, this coming year, I think whoever ends up winning the job, whether it's Ty Simpson, whether it's Jalen Milrow, you'll need to be a leader, clearly. You need to be able to be a game manager. And game manager, you're kind of cringing. Saying a game manager is sort of just another way for saying you need to be an average quarterback and not try and do too much, right? Like, that's probably how it sounds to you when you hear me talk about whoever's going to be a game manager. Part of that, I would say, is a fair observation to make. I don't think that's all the way true for the Alabama quarterback because whoever ends up being the Alabama quarterback, game manager is a part of it, but you need to be able to hit the open shot. Like, I would think more J.J. McCarthy and less Jacob Coker, if you catch my drift. J.J. McCarthy, not to get too off track here, did a lot of things for Michigan last year where I don't know if they win some of those football games, especially the Ohio State football game, if he doesn't make the plays vertically that he makes. And when I say open shot, I just mean we're going to run the football at you. So when those receivers get open, got to hit them. Got to hit them because we don't get too many more shots of that if we miss deep. And Michigan, to their credit, did that multiple times against Ohio State. So the formula for Bama is going to be old Bama. And some of y'all are starting to, to perk up a little bit now that we said old Bama. You say, okay, I like old Bama. Old Bama won a lot of national titles. Yes, they did. Now, the good news for Bama fans, that formula of old Bama 
is kind of like playing bully ball, but also being balanced and throwing the football well and also playing good defense. That's the kind of formula that teams are using to win right now. At one point in time, it was let's score 60, try and catch us. Shout out Joe Burrow and LSU. I think the game has lent itself a little bit more now to that balanced style of football that Alabama used to play. So you still have the vertical passing game, but it's going to be very much in an effort to impose your will physically on the opposition. So that's going to be Bama. The balance is going to be what wins. And the quarterback position is going to be a part of that balance. Do not get it twisted. Really quickly, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at JDPacel. With that out of the way, we'll keep this thing moving. So the spring game. Let's talk about that, because that's really the only sample size we have in a public fashion for this battle as it pertains to 2023. We saw Jalen Milrow a season ago. I don't know that we saw his best. In fact, I know we didn't see his best based on what we saw in the spring game. There's plenty of ugly to go around from the spring football game, right? I mean, Ty Simpson made some poor decisions. Jalen Milrow threw two picks. Heck, they got Jalen Milrow tagged for seven sacks. Now, Jalen Milrow, I don't know if y'all have seen the clip of him hang cleaning. I don't know that you're getting him on the ground seven times in that spring game, but hey, it is what it is. But my encouraging thing I would say about this spring game is from my thought process with viewing Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow, I went from a, man, can they? Can they make the throw downfield? Can they create with their legs the way that we need them to and then be able to push the ball downfield off of that extended play to will they? Will they do it? Will they do it consistently? And those are two very different conversations to come from. Because if it's a can they, can they make that play, we're probably going to the portal, right? If I'm questioning your ability, I need to go get somebody that can get it done for us. Because at Alabama, the standards are way the heck up here, right? National title, SEC title, we don't lack ability at Alabama. That's just the reality. So now going from a will they conversation, now you say, okay, instead of going to the portal, we're going to the practice field. We're going to the film room. I got some ability in this room. We're going to get every single ounce out of it. Because when I saw Jalen Milrow throw that back shoulder throw to Law over the corner in front of the safety, I saw Ty Simpson create with his legs and make some nice throws and have it get dropped. I believe it was Jermaine Burton who, who dropped one of his passes off of an extended play. No knock on Jermaine Burton. What I'm telling you is I saw flashes. And there's inevitable amount of sloppiness that just comes with a spring football game, especially when you got quarterbacks that are splitting reps with the ones. It's going to happen. I don't know that you leave that game, or you should leave that game, rather, watching that game as dejected as maybe some of these Bama fans might. Because what you're going to see is that the stat line that looked a little bit lackluster, and you're going to see all the incompletions, and you're going to see all the interceptions, but there's more to it than what meets the eye. My biggest encouragement, the ability. We saw that from both these cats, all right? So be excited if you're an Alabama fan. There's more to this than what meets the eye. Now, the style that Bama wants to play, as I already said, it's going to be complimentary. So let me tell you what's going to happen here when we get to the fall. Whether it's Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow, drop back to pass, and let's say they get sacked. There's going to be a lot of people quick to say, man, Jalen Milrow has no pocket presence. Or, man, Ty Simpson, this game is way too fast for him. He can't do it. I would say pause, take a deep breath, watch the tape, see what happened there. Before you blame the quarterback, you got to ask yourself this question. And I used 
a sack on the play as an example. But just overall, when you take the whole body of work for whoever ends up starting at Alabama, ask yourself the question, is everyone around the quarterback, offensive line, running backs, wide receivers, up to par for the expectation you have for the quarterback? Okay, because this, this offense, like we just talked about at the top of this segment, is going to be complementary football. What does that mean? The quarterback, for him to do his job, we're asking the running back and the offensive line to move the line of scrimmage. For the quarterback to do his job, we're asking receivers to finish plays. Saw far too many drops in that spring football game, to be honest. And we're asking them to win outside. And that's the reason why the buzz around Malik Benson, the number one JUCO transfer wide receiver in the country, number one JUCO transfer player in the country, quite frankly, that's why there's so much buzz around him. Because he kind of fits that alpha dog wide receiver prototype that you like to see. Can run like the wind. Made a couple of nice catches during the spring football game. Really had that one drive that made you say, oh, okay, that's, that's why we're excited about that guy. I believe it was him and Jalen Milrow. Four plays in a row. Four catches from Malik Benson. The fourth one was a touchdown where he separates over the corner. Says, give me that little boy. Like, that's, that's the kind of excitement. That's the kind of ability you need at wide receiver. And Malik Benson, I think, will supply that. I think he's one of the most slept-on wide receivers in the country right now. Our little secret right here. You can talk about it at the water cooler. But what I'm saying is the quarterback position, it's going to be extremely important, but it's going to be very dependent on the variables around them to be successful. And that's not me making excuses for Jalen Murrell. It's not me making excuses for Ty Simpson. I just want to make sure we are crystal clear on the expectation for whoever wins that job. Now, who's going to win that job? I think it's going to go into fall camp, as you and I probably both expected. But if I had to pick somebody today, man, the, the playmaking ability of Jalen Murrell, if I had to pick somebody today, April, what is it, 24th, I'd, I'd have a hard time going against Jalen Murrell right now. We had Greg McElroy on the show not too long ago, and he said, listen, Jalen Milrow at the quarterback position might be the, the best athlete with the ball in his hands. So I want him touching the ball every single play to keep it a buck. So Jalen Milrow's legs and what I saw with him within this offense on the spring game, I'd give him my vote today. But hey, it's going to go into the fall. Whoever wins this one is going to win based on merit because these guys are going to have a dogfight for the QB1 spot. But whoever wins the battle, make sure you ask yourself, do they have everybody else around them playing to the same expectation that I'm holding this quarterback to? But tell you what, man, never count Nick Saban out. Never, never count Nick Saban out. Don't do it. It's asking for trouble. Got a lot of y'all tuned in with us, man. We appreciate you. Make sure you hit the thumbs up. Last time I'm going to ask, just helps us. And it helps us help you, quite frankly. Everyone who's new here, we appreciate you as well. Make sure you're subscribed. But here's how we do things on this show for y'all that are new. This is a football community, a college football community. College football is special. And the people that make up this beautiful game is what makes it special. So I want to hear from y'all. Get in the live chat. Hit us with your questions. Hopefully you've been doing so throughout the show. But the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Owensboro, Kentucky is about to join us right now, and that's Nick Heavy Lifter Break. Nick, what's going on, my guy? Hey, How are we feeling? What's up, JD? Uh, so lots of questions. Um, first and foremost, we do have a, uh, someone here, um, Ken Folk Awesome. Ask JD, hey, can you make a video about TCU? 
Okay, Show the horn yeah. frogs some love, JD. Okay, man. Hey, listen, Nick, you and I, <laughs> we went and saw them yep. in the national title game. Now, we won't talk too much about what happened in the national title game, but, yeah, you know, I bet we could, uh, we could make that happen. We could probably pull some strings and get, get uh, some TCU content for the people. What do you say? Yeah. I think we should. Hey, that's, that's a softball question to start that us off, though. I like ball, it. Right? I like it, man. Uh, this next one, for, for me, probably a softball, too. Sport geek, does Colorado have the potential to have the best cornerback duo in college football? Maybe in a couple of years, J.D., if those guys are there. But He said the best quarterback duo in or, college oh, football? I'm sorry, cornerback duo. Oh, cornerback duo. Can't have two quarterbacks. This you is know, it's fantasy super league. Right, yeah. You know, that's, that's also one side of this coin. The best cornerback duo in college football. So this question I would imagine is coming from Travis Hunter, who is that guy, and Cormani McLean, very highly recruited cornerback. They have the potential, I would say, to be really good. I would probably lean more towards a school like Georgia with Kamari Lasseter and maybe Dalen Everett or, uh, I guess, Alabama with Kool-Aid McKinstry and, and Terry and Arnold if he ends up playing corner opposite him. I, I think I lean more towards the proven commodities. Cormani McLean. Like I said, very talented individual. Travis Hunter, very talented individual. Haven't seen either of those guys play FBS-level football yet. So I'm going to withhold my, my yes on that answer for now. Mm -hmm. But the, the ability, I would say, is very much so worth getting excited about. Yep. So a good question. Yeah, the, the corners at Colorado are going to need to be up to par for what they're going to face in the Pac-12. Uh, J.D., uh, no offense here. 904 Hurricane asked a question I don't think either of us can really answer very well. Okay. Um, so you can direct them to the people who probably would a little better. I uh, like it. Uh, 904 Hurricane asks, money that used to be pumped into infrastructure, research, teachers, public service missions are now being shifted over to the NIL. What do you think the long-term effect this is going to have on colleges? I think Andy Wittry and uh, Pete Nako is going to have a pretty good answer to this one, J.D. Yeah, two great reporters for On3 in the NIL space. Mm -hmm. My own thoughts on this are – I don't know that you have a ton of money going, and again, this is my own perception. So again, Andy and, and Pete, I would say, are the authority sources on this. I don't know that you have a ton of money being taken out of academia yeah. that are being put back into football. Like, think about it before. There was already a ton of money going into football, Nick. Like those, Waco, Texas, a great example, putting together a multi-million dollar facility right now for the football program. That money was already going to the football team. There's already money going into these sports. Why? Because they produce revenue that keep the rest of the athletic department rolling that probably also benefits the school. So I would say high tide raises all boats. If you're putting money into something that makes you money, that's a good thing for everybody. I think the athletic institutions or the, the, excuse me, the athletic programs within a school are like the front porch of the institution. So that's my thought on that. Mm -hmm. But Andy Wintry, Pete Nakos, Make sure you're following them on Twitter. They're going to point you in the right direction, and we'll have a, a very informed opinion on that as well. Great question, though, Nick. How about yeah. that? Some NIL, some NIL juice this morning. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Hey, on three, you have come to the best place um, to talk NIL. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's a good one. A uh, couple couple more. You good with that? Absolutely. I mean, Another got... Ken Folk awesome question. Love it. Love it. Um, always uses the hashtag AskJD. Uh, would Milrow fit as a wide receiver if Malik Benson or Ty Simpson was named starting quarterback for Alabama? So this is a great question. Some of this is coming from the buzz around him taking a, a rep at bull practice, a wide receiver. It sounds like the more information we've gotten around that video of him taking that one rep is was routes on air. The receiver wasn't ready or wasn't stepping up. So Jalen Milrow says, heck, I'll take the rep. And then we all kind of ran with that narrative. That's fine. I'm not here to read too much more into that than we already have. 
The, the reality is Jalen Milrow, I think, has to have the ball in his hands some way, somehow. So whether you have packages for him at quarterback, whether you want to line him up in the slot and, and throw him bubbles, like whatever you got to do to get number four the ball, I think you should do it. Now, again, I've already said I believe that Jalen Milrow, if the, the competition ended today, if Bama played a game tomorrow, Jalen Milrow would be your starting quarterback. So I think if, if that's the reality, I mean, there's kind of a, a moot point to this conversation here. But the thing I would say is he's one of your best players. Get him the football. If he's your quarterback, great. If not, find another way to get him the football. I think that's what great coaches do. Mm-hmm. And I think Tommy Reese will do that, Nick. But okay. that's a fair question. That's a fair yeah, question. A I think question. it's one that could get more and more buzz as we get closer to the season and find out who that starting quarterback is going to be. Uh, do you have time for a few more? Absolutely, Nick. Uh, so first off, Corey Williams, uh, Josh China, Dylan Myers, and um, we've got one more. Hunter Nathan, all are asking the same questions, all about Dylan Rayola. Where's he go? Beautiful. Dylan Rayola, excuse me. Um, is it Georgia? We've got someone in here. I forgot who it was saying that. He still thinks that Nebraska's going to land him. So, J.D., um, I know that recruiting, not necessarily our forte here at the hard camp, but where do you see Rayola going? Sure, man. College football, we love everything to do with this sport. Recruiting, absolutely being a part of that. Make sure you're tuned in here, though, and locked in. Subscribe because the, on, the Inside Scoop with Josh Newberg is a exclusively recruiting show. And we're going to have tons to say about this recruitment currently and into the future. So Dylan Raiola, number one quarterback in the 2024 cycle. It sounds like like the schools that get thrown the most around with Dylan Raiola are Georgia, Nebraska, USC. Where do I think he's going to go? If I had to pick somewhere today, I'm trusting the RPM, which I believe last time I checked the RPM recruiting prediction machine is leaning Georgia. And it sounds like they've made a pretty strong case for themselves as of late. And it's just so tough to turn down Kirby Smart's process. Like the, the same intrigue with Nick Saban of come here and win national championships and get developed to the nth degree and give your all to the process and get whatever you want out of it. That's, I think, the same approach that Kirby Smart is now able to pitch to recruits today. Now, I would say this. Nebraska, if Dylan Riola's heartstrings are tied somewhere, it's got to be Nebraska because he's got family there, as you all probably already know. His, his dad played there. Like there's a lot about Nebraska that you could talk yourself into. But the way that I look at this, Dylan Raiola, with the talent that he is, I think he's looking to go somewhere to develop that talent within himself. And I think Matt Rule will do that. I think over time we're going to see Matt Rule and Nebraska be able to make a push for top recruits like Dylan Raiola. But there is an element of risk involved that you wouldn't take at a place like Georgia or, heck, a place like USC, who also has been at certain points in this recruitment one of the top dogs. No pun intended. So if I had to pick somebody today, Nick, I would lean Georgia. But with that being said, I've leaned a lot of directions during this recruitment as well. But today, go ahead and put me down for Dylan Raiola for the dogs. And we'll keep an eye on that one without a doubt. Okay. Two more. Love it. Uh, The Rob Smith. How good can USC's Austin Jones and Relique Brown be as a one-two punch? Man, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. Relique Brown at a modern-day high school and Austin Jones, the transfer from Stanford now. In addition to the transfer Marshawn Lloyd from South Carolina. You lose Travis Dye, who transferred from Oregon. Another transfer, you're getting a theme here, who's gone to the NFL and got hurt at the end of last year. They're going to have some dudes that can tote the rock. I think it'll be by committee. I think it'll be all three of those guys. Relique Brown looked good as a freshman last year, and Lincoln Riley talks about him improving in consistency. But the reality, like the bottom line is all three of these dudes are ridiculously talented. All three of these dudes probably could start at other places, but they're all in the same room in Los Angeles. To couple that with 
what Caleb Williams can already do with his legs and what they'll be able to do throwing the football downfield. Like they're going to score a lot of points in Los Angeles. Let's just make sure that is abundantly clear. They're going to score a lot of points and those guys will be a part of it. So to, to answer your question directly, I think they'll be awesome as a one, two and three combo, Nick. Okay. Awesome. Um, so uh, we got, oh man, a lot of people are asking questions right at the buzzer. There we go. Uh, but I bro. found uh, these, these two questions about Colorado. Uh, John Meeks asked a question. Thank you, John, for asking. And the Wayfaring Farmer asked, hashtag AskJD uh, Sandboxing here. If, if Deion Sanders doesn't do well in three to four years, what do you think happens? That's obviously a subjective question. Sure. Um, John Meeks says, why do individuals think it'll be a bust season if Colorado doesn't make a bowl game? They were 1 and 11 last year, shouldn't we? Look at them in a two to three yeah. period. So we're talking long term. Very good question. Very, very, very fair questions. So the question about if he doesn't have success in three to four years, I mean, I think you probably treat him the same as any coach doesn't have success in three to four years. You got to talk about making making some changes. But we're, we haven't even played our first game with Coach Prime as the head coach at Colorado, so we'll you know we'll, we'll let that situation kind of bake. But I don't think there's you know, a ton more to unpack. Like you, you got to have some results at some point in time in three to four years, I feel like is a very fair window to give coach prime. Now talk about year one. I think what they said is on the money. If Colorado doesn't make a bowl game in year one, you'll have a lot of people saying, Oh, guess that didn't work out. Guess coach prime's way didn't work. Guess he can't coach. Guess they've got issues at Colorado. Whoa, 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 whoa. You must have not caught the first segment within this show where we told you 76% of the roster at Colorado is new. Guys that have never played before, three-fourths the roster, all new to Colorado. It's going to take some time for this thing to formulate. Now, if they're able to win a bowl game, if they're able to make a bowl game and win six games in 2023, that would be enormous. That would be the, the epitome of a successful year one for Coach Prime. But I really do believe this is still the, the foundation laying part of his time at Colorado. And we're going to see the ultimate success for him come in the, the foreseeable future. So I would say let's, let's tempo expectations, temper expectations rather for Coach Prime. Not because I don't think he'll eventually be successful, but because year one, we're still building this house. Let's, let's give a little more time for him to put it together. Great question, though, Nick. What else we got on there? Uh, okay, so I said two more two ago, but this will be it because this love is it. our last question. I love it. Um, we've got one from Bryce. Who makes a better impact for Georgia, Smoke Bowie or Rara Thomas? Ooh, very good question. Now, Smoke Bowie is currently in a battle to be the second corner next to Kamara Lasseter at Georgia. From what it sounds like, he'll play. I don't know that he's going to be your starter game one. He could be. We'll, we'll wait till fall camp kind of – Gives us some more intel, but Smoke Bowie, it sounds like, in the mix. Now, Ra Ra Thomas, on the flip side of that, if he's able to be available, because there's some other things going on off the field with Ra Ra Thomas that we're, that we're trying to get clarity on, because he didn't really play in the spring game. Ra Ra Thomas is a guy that has been productive in the SEC already, coming from Mississippi State, a guy that I think you plug him in right now at Georgia, and he adds a different element to what they want to do offensively kind of brings to the table a little bit of what I think A.D. Mitchell brought to the table last year, which is big body wide receiver, coach put it up at the rim for him, let him go make a play. Like big body guy that can win the jump ball for you. And outside of Brock Bowers or anyone in that tight end room, I don't know who else brings that same skill set. So I think Ra Ra Thomas, I'll say this, I think he adds 
potentially more value to a position of, I guess, need is the word we would use right now. Not that Georgia really needs a ton more in the receiver room because they got some guys that can catch the ball for him. He would be someone that brings a different element to the table that you could really utilize and, and that way would place value on. So I'll answer Ra Ra Thomas for now, but I do expect both guys to contribute should they both end up being available. How's that, Nick? I feel like I was just sitting on the fence there for a lot of that, but that's how we feel about yeah. it. Well done, JD. That's how we feel about it. But yeah. no, we're, we're making our answer. We're making our, our, our feelings felt about that. Ra Ra Thomas, absolutely. Uh, valuable for Georgia, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Was that the last one there, Nick? It is, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you rocking with it, Nick. Appreciate you making yeah. it all happen and keeping the cue. What do you say? Do this again Thursday? We'll do it again Thursday, everyone. Come back. Beautiful. Everyone come back here Thursday, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. Subscribe to this channel. And when you want to make sure you know when we're going live next, go to the live part of this channel, the live tab, and you're going to see scheduled out our next episode. Again, that's Thursday morning. 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern, but we talk college football here on this very platform, the hard count on the author YouTube channel every single day. And y'all allow us to do it. And we do not take that for granted one second that we get to talk about college football, the best game in the world for a job. Still pinching myself for that. So for all of us here, Nick Breakliff and Heavy, myself, J.D. Pakel, all the good people here at On3, make sure you're subscribed. Follow me on Twitter, at J.D. Pakel, and Instagram, at J.D. Pakel. But we love y'all, man. We appreciate y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.